Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. This is David Nagel here with the Successful Mind Podcast. And today I have a very interesting interview with Dr. Andrew Benedek. He's going to talk to be, he's going to be talking to us about a company called Anageria and some very interesting ideas um, around um, being a serial entrepreneur and with the idea of climate change and the things that are happening. So I think that we're going to get a really good education today. Uh, and I just want to welcome you. Thank you for coming to onto the show. My pleasure, David. Could you tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, so my, my current company, Energia, is a company designed to help offset climate change by generating a renewable fuel called uh, renewable natural gas to replace the natural gas we currently use. Uh, we do it out of waste because that's a low-hanging fruit. Uh, because if we don't convert food waste and organic waste into methane, it tends to be converted in the landfill. When it does that, it goes in the atmosphere and it makes 0.5 degree change uh, of the total 1.1 degree that we've had during the industrial age, comes from methane, this type of fugitive emission methane, and this is what we're trying to convert from being a problem to a positive uh, fuel replacement. How come the methane is not something that we're hearing about? We're, we mostly hear about the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, but you don't hear many people talk about methane. Why is that? You know, it's uh, fascinating. Um, I, that's exactly right. Most people believe that it's all about uh, carbon dioxide from burning fossil fuel. Yeah. But with a civilization and increased in population, we have more and more landfills, many of them in Asia in particular, totally uncontrolled, but even the ones in California, uh, 41%, even though they, those are controlled and we collect the fugitive methane, we try to do our best. Even in California, 41% of the methane comes from landfills. And much of the rest comes from manure lagoons and so on and so forth, so from waste. Uh, what is really important to understand is that methane is 84 times worse than carbon dioxide. So the concentration of methane is low, but the impact is very significant about 37% of the impact from climate change is due to the increase in methane um, in the atmosphere, or 0.5, roughly 0.5 degrees, as I said before. For the first time, just before the Glasgow conference, the IPCC, the International Panel, highlighted this problem, but not until then did we hear in the general public that methane is an issue. And when they did highlight it, they highlighted oil and gas leakage. We committed to a 30% reduction, but it was essentially focused on the easy stuff in oil and gas. Um, and that's, that's where it is right now. 
Okay, so so let's back up for a second. Let me ask you this question here: what What do your two companies have in common? Say again, sorry. What do your What do your two companies have in common? Well, the two companies. Okay, so first, uh, the previous company I started directly out of academia, and um, it was in water, so people understand it. It, it really was the key company to develop technology for water recycle. Okay. Um, that company was started because I was really concerned about us with population growth running short of water. Um, Which seems to be happening, yes? It is happening and this technology is applied everywhere now. 50% uh, of the Chinese uh, wastewater plants today use the technology, just to give you an idea. Okay. Uh, so, but, and this was a big problem, but compared to climate change, it's not such, not as big a problem because we can solve it with desalination. Okay. What, what they both have in common is that I started both from understanding the need of humanity and the issues that will come with growing population. Um, the, uh, I started the companies with just that principle that there is going to be a need for answers, technological answers. Yeah. And that I thought about the technologies and then I went ahead and created the technologies. It's not like I had it on the shelf and then I looked for a way to use the technology. Right. A vision of the need and then going backwards and figuring out how we're going to solve the issue. Um, it's very unusual. Most people do the other way, but somehow I have this confidence and belief that uh, once you clear an emission, you know, the things will work out. It's a, a it's almost, a, we could almost call it a religious belief that that as long as you believe you can do it, things will come around. Yeah. And then you have a noble mission like I had in both companies. What is astounding is how it attracts uh, great people, which is the only way you can succeed. What's the most interesting thing that people don't know about climate change? Well, you mentioned uh, already one on your own, which is that methane is such an important problem. The second thing people don't understand is that changing infrastructure is remarkably difficult and can take uh, 60 years or more. As an example, solar was invented 60 years ago. People use If we can have solar energy at the same cost as fossil, that the game is over. We solved our problem. But the reality is that 60 years later, we still only have 10% of the world's energy in solar or wind. So it takes a very long time if you have to change uh, infrastructure, meaning new kinds of plants and new connections and then balance the power because these are intermittent power sources. So. The hope that most people have is that, you know, we just keep selling and converting everything to electricity 
Right. And, and that can be done with these lower cost methods. And the, and the problem is over. Or maybe we'll make hydrogen from these low cost energies and then even we'll have a fuel. Uh, those things will all take a very long time. And the only solution, short term solution to climate change is what's called a drop in fuel. Which means if you can create vast quantities of a fuel that's essentially similar to what we're using right now, we just drop it in the existing infrastructure. Therefore, our way of life doesn't have to change. Infrastructure doesn't have to change. This can be done very quickly. Um, and of those dropping fuels, I believe the best one is methane because it's exactly the same molecule. If you can make it renewably, get it out of carbon dioxide from the air and then convert it into a fuel versus digging it out of the ground and then putting it in the atmosphere. Okay. So, and is that something that's difficult to do? It's not. It's, it's, it takes time. It takes some government leadership and incentives, but it can be done relatively quickly. The technology is, is fairly well established. So it's just a matter of doing it at scale. So is that where you see the most opportunity in the progress of that? It, because, because I never even heard the term drop in fuel before, but that it seems to make a lot of sense. I just don't know much about it. Yeah, so the problem with climate change is it's, it's really very complicated. And so I hear. <laughs> it, it is complicated, difficult, not tech, but it's not technologically difficult, David. It's governmentally difficult because the short-term view of government, the next election, the lack of understanding within government, what it takes to make changes. And as a result, uh, uh, a lot of what needs to be done is not clear, uh, but I'm really glad that at least you're getting educated today. Yeah, yeah. So, so that brings me to the next question. These days, climate change has become obvious to many people, as they have seen firsthand severe weather, drought, wildfires, other threats, global warming is creating. We've got heat issues going on all over uh, right now. What can our listeners do, in your opinion, to help address the root of the problem? Yeah, this goes back a little bit to what I just said. Um, I, I think what really is needed is government leadership. Government We're leadership. We're on a spaceship where every department has a different person in charge. And the guy who's in charge of the oxygen supply of the world, I'm talking about Brazil, doesn't believe in climate change. So if you have your spaceship and you shut down the oxygen supply, what is the rest of us going to do? So bottom line, you need to be able not only to do the right thing in your own country, which some countries have managed, but you have to be able to coordinate across the planet. And the way that can happen is if we all who care really put this as a priority on elections and we keep our representatives focused. This is not happening adequately. Okay. Even in democracies. And is it is it that they don't believe in climate change or 
or it's not financially uh, uh, good for them. I mean, it's, it's really interesting that there's so many people say that they don't believe in climate change when we have proof that there's climate change. It seems like there's another agenda there in various different places in the world. Of course, of course. Uh, I mean, no change happens without paying to those that are going to be less dominant economically. And so right now, our world is governed by fossil fuel uh, uh, economics. We're a carbon-based economy. Yeah. Um, so there is lots of reasons and lots of people have vested interest in no change. And th those of us who are worried about the future have to exert equal or more power in order to enable the change. That's, that's what I'm talking about. So you just look at the four-year cycle of an American election. Um, as soon as any representative gets into government, he needs to worry about getting re-elected. Right. And to get re-elected, he needs contributions. And how does he get contributions? Is it <clears throat> that's, that's what will determine who is going to be loyal to. Uh, you know, I'm not saying there are no exceptions. There are some really great people in government, but not enough. And not enough of us make sure that our representatives look at the long term rather than the short term. And don't we also have an issue with the idea that our elections are four years and every four years the the next president can erase everything the one that came before them did if they did if they did something good i mean that's a real issue it's not just getting the right person in but how do we maintain that over the elect multiple election cycles so that actual change can take place yeah and that's that's essentially the issue you know uh, in, in the 80s and uh, 70s uh, environment trumped all. Uh, both parties would support environmental legislation. That's how they got the Clean Air Act and so on, Clean Water Act. Um, I think we need something of that sort to get beyond party politics. I, I know it's wishful thinking. It's not going to be easy, but it will only happen, and that's our best chance, it will only happen if if those of us who care exert our political influence. So does this mean that the direction that say automakers are going with the um, increasing of electrical vehicles is actually not a good thing that they should be focusing more on vehicles that run off of methane versus putting all of their, their resources into electric? Oh, not at all. No. But it does mean, and I'll tell you an example. I got two Teslas. When I charge them, I charge them at night. Uh, and when that happens, I'm using power from natural gas, not renewable natural gas. Only 0.2% of American gas is renewable right now. It's much higher in some other countries. But in our country, it's much lower. So you've got 0.2% uh, 
Therefore, you get electricity basically from fossil to charge your electric car. Electric car is still much more efficient than a gasoline car, but three times more efficient. So therefore, use much less energy. And ultimately, I'm hoping that we can keep that infrastructure, convert transportation, which is the biggest source of climate problems, convert transportation to electric or gas. You have a lot of trucks running on renewable natural gas right now. Okay. So why is it, well, let me, let me ask you the question this way. What is the secret to creating a, a successful company in the environmental space? How do we make sense of that? Yeah, so I've done it twice now. Okay. And uh, I tend to be analytical, so I actually ask myself that question. You know, I, I try to learn from the first. Of course, I made uh, many mistakes uh, that I repeated, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles, right? So Yeah, for sure. Uh, but uh, overall, the formula that I'm using, second time around, and I'm refining, is number one, pick a problem that's not going to go away, it's going to increase. That literally means that if you're persistent and stick with it, the market will ultimately keep increasing. It's okay. always nice to be on an opportunity that's going to increase. The problem with the specific, so, so I, I've done that, but the problem with the specifics of the environmental infrastructure type business is that it's a long time to make the change. So not only you have to be persistent, but also you have to be able to have what's called a sustainable advantage. If you don't have an advantage, then you said sustainable advantage, sustainable advantage means you have to have something that competitors can just copy while you're waiting for the market to open. That's typically what happens to most companies. They don't have sufficient sustainable advantage. Okay. Then the third thing you have to be careful of, frankly, is not to bet on government uh, too much because government is uh, not a good business partner often. So you have to, you have to be risk averse on, on, on that and build into your structure a way that you minimize risk. For example, we do that by being all over the world and picking countries when things are correct and we can rely on the country. And last but not least, but perhaps by far the most important is having capable, motivated people, attracting the best people in the world in the particular domain that you're developing. And this happens if you have the right vision, like I said earlier, and they see an opportunity to make a change. A lot of us are frustrated, you know, technical people that see that things can be done. They don't know how to get it commercialized. Yeah. And when they see an opportunity to do so, it attracts good people like a man. Is there, is there anything for us to consider about anything that we can do to influence other countries that are completely shut down around this idea? Well, 
you know, I've been, like, I do hear a lot about that. I hear a lot of like, what's the use of us doing anything if China's not going to clean up their mm -hmm. air or Brazil's not going to buy into this and they're in control of the rainforest? Like, it seems to be a major issue. It, it is, absolutely. So let me tell you about Denmark. Okay. There are some countries that are moving ahead regardless. Now, you might say that Denmark is a small part of the world and whatever they do is not going to make much difference. But what the example, if properly applied around the world, will make a huge difference. And what is beautiful about the case of Denmark, which is currently 25% of their natural gas is renewable, generated in the country. 80% plus some days more of their electricity is renewable, generated in the country. Um, and so they, they, they have made the transition that we are just dreaming about here. And they're continuing to do that. And I, I just spent uh, a full day in Denmark just on this issue, trying to understand why the government is successful there. And it's a combination of, of two things. Um, they have demonstrated that this is not an economic hardship. They've demonstrated that there are benefits to the country in this switch. And particularly now, when you were watching uh, gas shortages in Europe, there and energy problems, they're, they're in the best position in, in Europe. But beyond that, they have created very significant companies in this space that are exporting, helping the rest of the world. And they as a country are also explaining to other countries what they did and how they did it. And this is all done in cooperation with industry that fully supports the change and the people support the change. No matter which party gets in, you know, they're not going to go backwards on something that's really working for them. Right. But do they have the issue like we do where you've got big corporate lobbyists that stand in the way of making that change or how did they get that through? Well, they're, they're um, a smaller country, more homogeneous. So the differences between the parties is not as great as in our, as, as in the U.S. And then second, they don't have native oil companies. Interestingly, they have uh, fossil fuels. In fact, they discovered some gas that they shut in rather than, <clears throat> and not, they don't want to use it. They want to use renewable instead. They're going to go to 100% renewable by 2030, which is remarkable. Wow. What percentage, what percentage are they now? They're at 25 on gas. And I was talking about gas. They want to go by 2030. From 25 to 100. So, the point I'm making is that it's possible to do it. It's possible to do it that people don't suffer and there's economic benefits. And hopefully, more and more countries will learn from their example. Yeah. I just saw something that came out in the news today that was saying that Ford is going to lay off like 8,000 people. Um, in order, and I believe it's so that they have the resources to continue to move in the direction of electric, uh, turning their vehicles, you know, transforming them over from gas and diesel into um, 
electric vehicles. What kind of a time frame do you think that we're on uh, as far as being, is there, or is there a play, is there a, because you hear about, is there a point of no return? Do, can we actually get to a place where the damage is so significant we can't recover from it um, as far as the global population, or is that, is that a dramatic idea? Um, I, I don't think it is, but I, I'm not an expert on giving you where that is. I am, I am scared that, you know, if we don't change our ways, we'll hit it, and we'll hit it probably sooner than anybody expects, because so far, just to put it very clearly, fossil fuel use is still going up and it's going up exponentially in spite of solar, wind, and everything else people are doing because the major countries are not doing enough. Uh, as far as electric cars, there is going to be a point on no return. I, I don't see any reason why we should not have electric cars. Uh, I, you know, GM, company that has announced that they will not make anything but electric by 2035, Volvo by 2030. So that tipping point is going to happen soon. But just to put it in perspective, we're in the US, uh, it's a clear laggard in terms of percentage of cars electric, even though the leading company that changed the equation is American, Tesla. Yeah. Europe is uh, much higher and so is China for them. Yeah. And if, if, the, if the reports are to be believed, though, um, like Tesla doesn't get a lot of help from our government, even with the incredible, I mean, they've made a significant breakthrough, Tesla. Musk has really done something significant. He got many people to buy into electric when this country was not buying into it. They weren't hearing anything of it. And he got... He made it. He made it cool, you know, for for people to do this. Um, but he's not really getting the government support behind what it is that he that he wants to do, which I think is fascinating. Since Biden seems to have his agenda to want to support these ideas, unless I've got that wrong. Well, I, 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 he did have some support very early. Yeah. Um, but uh, he, I think, I, I believe that Tesla paid it all back and it was a successful support just in the beginning. But in general, you know, you have to look at support and you have to look where the lobbying money comes from and, yeah, yeah. and, and follow that track to understand what actually happens. It kind of all goes back to that, doesn't it? <laughs> Sadly. So if, if people want to know more about this and more, more about what you're doing, where could they get more information? Well, we, we have a website, Energia, A-N-A-E-R-G-I-A. We're a company uh, public on the Toronto Stock Exchange, but Americans can buy stock. Okay. Uh, so it's fairly easy. Just click on the, the website. Perfect. I'll make sure that we put that in the drop down for this. I think this is pretty amazing. I mentioned this to a couple of people that I was gonna to talk to you and I asked them if they heard anything about the idea of methane and they all said no, that they hadn't. And they're, I wouldn't say that they're in the know, but they're people that are concerned, you know, about what's going on. So I know that I've got quite a few people that are interested 
in really uh, listening to what you have to say here. And I want to thank you very much for coming on and talking with us. My pleasure, David. Thank you for giving me a chance to, to help people understand. Absolutely. And keep us up to date. If, like, if, there's, if there's something else that you have that we can, we can offer to people, just let us know. I'd be happy to have you on again. Okay. Thanks. All right. Me. Thank Bye. you very much. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.